This is NLRH USA Threat Journal, Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, September 23rd, 2023. This week in security news, starting overseas, Ukraine has carried out several devastating attacks on key Russian targets in the past 10 days. Last week was a cruise missile and drone strike on the dry docks at the Sevastopol Naval Shipyard on the Korean Peninsula. This attack resulted in severe damage to a Kilo-class submarine and a Rapoka-class large landing ship. The attack utilized British and French cruise missiles fired from a Ukrainian bomber. Late this week, Ukraine carried out another devastating cruise missile strike, this time in broad daylight on Russia's Black Sea Fleet headquarters, which is also located in Sevastopol. Video captured from multiple angles and shared on social media show a massive stately building being pummeled by the incoming missiles. There are unconfirmed reports that several senior Black Sea Fleet officers were killed or injured in the attack. Also this week, the U.S. hosted the 15th meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group at Ramstein Air Base in Germany. The meetings are a regular gathering of ministers of defense and senior military officials from more than 50 nations to discuss the ongoing war in Ukraine and the continued close coordination of military and humanitarian aid. Here is Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley providing a conflict update. This group's support for Ukraine embodies our shared democratic values and the unwavering commitment to uphold the so-called rules-based international order. That order, the so-called rules-based international order, has been critical to preventing great power war on the European continent for 80 years, since the end of World War II. Rooted in that international order is a critical principle It's actually its first principle, that every nation, no matter its size or power, has an innate right to sovereignty and self-determination. And countries cannot be allowed to change international borders with military force, and they cannot attack other countries unless in self-defense. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is an unprovoked war of aggression against a country that posed no military threat to Russia. And today is the 572nd day of that war crime. It is a blatant and illegal violation of international norms, and it is literally a frontal assault on the very principles that all of our countries pledged to support eight decades ago. As Ukraine's counteroffensive continues, It is easy to get focused on the the numbers, the charts, the data, the arrows on a map. But we must remember that war, first and foremost, is a human endeavor. And each Ukrainian advancement, every inch of reclaimed territory, only happens because of the bravery, the honor, and the incredible sacrifice made by the Ukrainian people and their military. Ukraine continues to make deliberate, steady progress in liberating their homeland from Russian occupation. To date, Ukraine has liberated over 54% of Russian-occupied Ukraine, and they continue to retain the strategic initiative as of today. Amidst the fog and friction of war, Putin's unprovoked aggression casts a bleak and lonely echo, while Ukraine's spirit shines brightly, undiminished, and has been an inspiration for the world's free peoples. Our commitment remains unwavering. President Biden has directed us to continue our training initiatives and our material support 
as long as Ukraine requires in order to defend its sovereign territory. This is Ukraine's fight. It is their story, their battle. Ukraine has not asked any other country to fight for them. All they are asking for is help, help with materiel and training. And we collectively are all here to support Ukraine so they may remain free, independent, and sovereign. In the beginning, it was javelins and stingers that helped stop the initial Russian onslaught. Then air defense munitions and artillery enabled them to protect their skies and impose heavy costs on the invaders. Long-range fires and Gimmlers and HIMARS followed, which allowed the Ukrainians to strike critical nodes deep in the Russian rear. Next was armor and mechanized infantry fighting vehicles, breaching equipment, all of which strengthened Ukrainian maneuver warfare and allowed them to conduct the current counteroffensive. As we approach winter now, each nation today committed to continuing their support with a focus on the top three priorities of air defense, artillery, and mech and armor. And behind every weapon, we should all remember there's a brave Ukrainian soldier. And their resolve is equally unwavering. Their courage is extraordinary. And through the many different phases of this war, although we have provided training and equipment, it is they, the Ukrainian people and their military, that have suffered the most in their need to be free. And as President Biden and Secretary Austin have said many, many times over, we, the United States, will continue to provide support to Ukraine for as long as it takes. In a brief side note, as referenced earlier in his recorded comments, General Milley is retiring. This week, the Senate voted to confirm Air Force General Charles Brown Jr. as Milley's replacement, with his swearing-in scheduled for later this month. Listeners are reminded that the chairman's position is as an advisor to the President, the National Security Council, and the Secretary of Defense. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, including the chairman, have no executive authority to command combatant forces. 10 U.S. Code subsection 163 covers the role of the chairman and makes for an interesting read. One day after General Milley's comments in Germany, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg was in New York laying out a hard pitch for continued support for Ukraine during the U.N. General Assembly meeting. Here is a clip of Secretary Stoltenberg during an interview with the Council on Foreign Relations. Of course, the main purpose, the main uh, uh, task for me during this week is, is to mobilize support for Ukraine. Uh, so that's what I've done uh, in almost all of my meetings. Uh, the good news is that I feel that across NATO and also with partner uh, nations, they realize that uh, to support Ukraine uh, is something we do because it's in our security interest to ensure that... Uh, Ukraine prevails as a sovereign, independent nation. It will be a tragedy for Ukraine uh, if President Putin wins, but it will also be extremely dangerous for us. Uh, it will make the world more uh, dangerous and us more vulnerable. Because then the message to, uh, to President Putin, but also to uh, President Xi, is that when they use uh, military force, when they violate international law, when they invade another country, they get what they want. So, 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 so if the United States is concerned about China and, uh, and wants to pivot towards uh, Asia, then you have to ensure that uh, Putin doesn't win in, in Ukraine. Because uh, if uh, Ukraine wins, then you will have uh, the second biggest uh, uh, army in, in Europe, the Ukrainian army, uh, battle-hardened uh, on our side. Uh, we have a weakened uh, Russian uh, army. And we have also now Europe really stepping up uh, for defense spending. That will make it easier for you 
to focus also on China and not only or be less concerned about the situation in Europe. And opposite if, uh, if, uh, if Putin wins. So it is in the security interest of the United States to ensure that Ukraine wins and make it easier to deal with China. Shifting to the home front, U.S. border authorities report encountering more than 142,000 migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border in just the first half of September. Officials in Eagle Pass, Texas, have declared an emergency after nearly 6,000 migrants crossed from Mexico into the U.S. in just a two-day period, which led to authorities closing one of the two official crossing points in order to stem the flow. The Biden administration announced on Wednesday that it would deploy an additional 800 active-duty personnel to the southern border, with the mission focusing on, quote, logistics and other functions at the border to allow Customs and Border Protection agents and officers to return to their core mission and responsibilities. In related news, the Biden administration's Afghan immigrant relocation program is coming under increased scrutiny by the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, with Chairman James Comer raising concerns about the, quote, nature of persons who are being resettled. In a letter sent to two senior officials in charge of the resettlement program, Chairman Comer states the following, Quote, since the Biden administration's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, more than 70,000 former Afghan nationals have been relocated through U.S. federal programs throughout communities in the United States. It is inconceivable that proper vetting procedures were followed during the chaos and disarray of the U.S. evacuation. It is incumbent on Congress to gain more transparency into the programs. Listeners are reminded that just last week, the Department of Homeland Security issued an updated assessment warning that the threat of foreign and domestic terrorism remains high and that this threat environment is expected to continue into 2024. In addition to the challenges posed by the broad cross-section of domestic extremists, the assessment warns that, quote, foreign terrorist groups like al-Qaeda and the Islamic State are seeking to rebuild overseas and they maintain worldwide networks of supporters that could seek to target the homeland. Next up, in travel security news, Alert USA once again reminds listeners of a U.S. State Department worldwide caution currently in effect, warning of the continued threat of terrorist attacks, demonstrations, and other violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests overseas. With this in mind, those listeners planning travel outside of U.S. borders would be wise to take a few minutes to check out the U.S. State Department's travel website, as well as that of the CDC, for safety, security, and health considerations for your particular destination. In addition to U.S. government travel guidance, it is also highly useful to check out the equivalent websites of the Canadian, Australian, and U.K. governments to see what those nations have to say about your destination, as the content of security assessments can vary widely. Links to those foreign government sites can also be found in the weekly Threat Journal email newsletter. Finally, Alert USA also recommends international travelers take a few minutes to register your trip with the State Department's Smart Traveler Enrollment Program, so you can receive important security updates directly from the U.S. mission in your destination country. All of these resources are easy, they're free, and considering the increase in tensions and violence around the world, these simple steps could actually save your life if you just avail yourself of the tools. If you would like to receive Homeland Security-related threat and incident alerts on your mobile device, visit alertsusa.com. Alert USA continues to monitor the overall domestic and international threat environment and will immediately notify service subscribers via SMS messages and email of new alerts, warnings and advisories, or any other factors which signal a change in the overall threat picture for American citizens as events warrant. This has been an Alert USA Threat Journal Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, September 23, 2023.